Welcome to The Leadership Guide, the show that takes you from peak performer to legendary leader by helping you unlock your heroic potential to emerge into who you were meant to be. This show is not your typical show on leadership. We have real, raw, unplanned, and unedited conversations with individuals from a wide variety of industries and expertise to get into the reality of what leadership actually looks like in the world, not just theories that you read about in books. We leave the conversations unedited because leadership is not about perfection. Because this show is unplanned, you get unique insights and you get to see a side of these individuals that they don't usually share anywhere else. On today's episode, we have a conversation with Jared the Wolf Castillo and discuss the dissatisfaction with the human experience, working with the next generations, and what handstands have to do with leadership and business. I'm your host, Cody Dakota, founder of the Leadership Guide, a member of the Forbes Coaches Council, and finalist for the Extraordinarian Award for coaches with ideas that can change people, businesses, and the world for the better for my ideas on leadership. We are sponsored by KDDM Inc., your one-stop shop for growing your business. If you're an entrepreneur, you'll want to talk with my friend, Tony Kaufman, CEO of KDDM Inc., and her team to help you clarify your message, get seen, get heard, and get sales. Because most entrepreneurs, and I've been there myself, get stuck in the digital and social media world and don't know how to stop losing money and leads. KDDM Inc. is a world-class digital marketing agency that offers professional video production by TX Filmworks and also offers amazing US-based virtual assistants, including phenomenal people like James, who works as a great graphic designer, Dean, who's one of the project managers, and one of the best producers is Caesar. KDDM Inc. brings the best tools and resources in the industry for entrepreneurs with their done for you and done with you solutions. Thanks, KDDM Inc., for bringing and helping entrepreneurs reach their heroic potential. If you would like to be a proud sponsor of the Leadership Guide Show, please go to www.theleadership.guide and fill out the contact us form. We'll get in contact with you shortly. And don't forget, stay tuned to the end of the episode to discover how to join the League of Legendary Leaders, an association of leaders with the goal to raise $100,000 monthly to support nonprofit causes which are currently looking to impact the world and make it better for future generations. Now, on to the show. Hey, Jared, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing amazing. How are you doing, Cody? I am living life and I am loving life. That, that's, that, that's recently become a catchphrase of mine. I, I don't know where that really came from. I like it. I enjoy saying it. It just started happening, but wh- whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, so tell me about the awesome things you're working on right now. 
the awesome things I'm working on. Well, since we met at New Media Summit, I've been doing and putting in a lot of effort into the furthering of the obvious, the, the low hanging fruit is, is like developing the business, but even more specifically, it's been about increasing the amount of influence and exposure that I have been getting. I realized that in certain aspects of my business, there was this new awareness around the fact that I was letting um, sort of like my fear of being public or like having my words and my ideas and things being out there for potential ridicule was actually leaving me playing small. So I was like, dude, like this is ridiculous. Like I have so much more that I can do and provide. So now it's been this massive effort to reach out, start speaking, start hosting my own events. I just finished up sponsoring an event that went amazing. I got connected with a lot of people, did my first main stage speaking and uh, offer as well. So it's been all cylinders going on developing the business and getting connected to the right people. That's awesome. And congratulations on that. That's an amazing first step to to be on the stage for your first how was that for you it was it was it went way better than in my mind it it, it could have gone because i had this like i'm going to be nervous i'm going to be shaking and be trembling like that was like kind of like the potentiality of what came up but right before i actually got on i kind of did this like grounding uh, nlp neurolinguistic programming exercise to just kind of tell my body we're good, we're okay, this is a part of it. And I just I just turned right on. Like I went straight into the zone. There was no stutter. There was no uh um it was it was just really good. I mean there's always room for improvement, but it went really well. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that's something everyone uh, needs to realize is there's always room for improvement, no matter how wonderful and awesome and amazing you are or were or whatever, there's always plenty of room to improve. Absolutely. Awesome. So, so jump into what is your business? My business is as it stands is Wolf Coaching Solutions, which is basically designed around empowering youth to live a, life, live a life of freedom, a life of choice, but above all else, I am looking to inspire youth to create and live a life where they feel alive. It's In essence, it is like life coaching for youth, but it's really designed about helping them be more, do more, and like I said, feel alive, getting them connected true to their inner guidance and being able to create sustainable results, amazing results over any gear, given period of time and providing them with that unparalleled level of accountability. Definitely. So when you say youth, what kind of age group are you looking at with youth? So specifically, it, it's, I'm kind of, so to speak, marketing to like 14 to 22. I've actually had a lot of parents uh, recently who were like, oh, do you do younger, like 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, which uh, you know, if I find an alignment in how I can provide a service, I will. But generally that like 14 to 22 is where I'm kind of like aiming. Okay, gotcha. So so you're looking at a very different market than many people are within the coaching industry. So so what is the differentiator from with that age group versus most of your other coaching types of client, which are going to be your corporate clients, your business clients, that kind of general vicinity? Sure. And it's funny you say that because it's, it's like 
I could throw a penny in any direction and probably hit about three, four, five, six coaches. <laughs> uh, everyone's a coach nowadays. Everyone's a business coach or mindfulness coach or whatever it is. And I think raising you, my uh, hand here, I'm one of them. <laughs> hey, look, you know, like it's it's hot. And if uh, if there's a if there's a value to be had, I am just like at the event. I think Steve said he said that you know you're you I we are the solution to someone else's problem, so to speak. So you know if it if the if the suit fits you wear it. But um, I guess kind of the way I distinguish, which is kind of already pointed out, it's uh, it's the age the age range with which I am working with, as opposed to targeting that older audience, uh, older, relatively speaking, that older audience, I'm like, I'm getting them before they become that, before they become that like matured <laughs> version. I've been through life. I've had the I've walked the walk. I've talked the talk or whatever it is. It's about, it's about getting them when they're more malleable. In my opinion, I think that when we're in a younger age, psychologically speaking and everything else, we're more malleable. We are uh, more, accepting of new information and we're we're taking and chiseling the the art piece that is us in terms of our beliefs our attitudes our opinions who we are in our different contexts so i i really do want to be the space and uh, rather provide the space for the empowerment of that younger generation gotcha definitely now now with the younger generation how are you coaching them? Like, where are you coaching them to? Because mm -hmm. when, when you most, usually when you think of a, like a corporate client, a business client, you're, you're working with them, even, even just within just a regular corporate job, you're coaching them to either to, to reach the next level or to get higher uh, revenue in their business or to develop a better team in their business um, or, or within their corporation. Those are a lot of times what you're, you're hearing within the the coaching world or on the other end it might be like healing them of their pain sure. or it could be um you know, there, there's a lot of different types of coaches so so sure. where are you guiding the, this younger generation to sure so i've found that the people with whom i'm working with they have a variety of things that they're working on so for example with one of my clients who is younger and in that like high school age range a lot of the coaching with we're doing is a lot of creating foundations, systems, processes that are going to essentially, if they plug themselves into it and apply them consistently, uh, improve um, things such as study habits, grades, um, college prepared and readiness, um, focus, mindset. I mean, a lot of it is around mindset, but I have someone also who is in that 20, I think, I believe he's like 22. And a lot of the work that we did was actually first around the healing because he had been struggling with uh, depression and anxiety, which I have no claim to being any kind of like therapist or anything like that. But it was providing uh, certain tips, tools and exercises that ultimately within a short period of time, had this like amazing breakthrough and like came alive. And then we were able to, which we're now doing is creating a foundation for success in other areas. So I find that a lot of what I'm doing is helping people to create the, the foundation for the, that specialized knowledge or that specialized growth as they're moving into the next stages of their life, which I will often say, like I help you transition into the next stages of life, whether it's, 
you know, starting a job, starting a business or whatever it is, getting that framework that can really just empower them and enliven them up. That's what we're doing. That's awesome. And, and that foundation is so, so key to success in life because there's, there's so often where you end up going through life and you don't actually get that foundation from any of the current systems that are really out there. Our, our educational systems for the most part don't really build that up. A lot of your introductory jobs don't build that up. Um, yeah. and then, and then a lot of people who are in leadership positions don't know how to provide that kind of foundation for the people they're leading because they've never learned how to create that, that foundation themselves. I, Cody, I couldn't agree more. And, uh, I think you touched on something that I've been wanting to touch on for a while and it's not necessarily a popular opinion yet. That's okay. But, but it's the truth is that I, I don't think the education system, the way it is designed is created in such a way that is able to enable generations to powerfully and effectively move into that next stage of life. Like I remember leaving college, not knowing very, very basic skills to life. Like no one ever taught me about money management and budgeting and, you know, how to uh, properly, you know, the whole, whether you do 401k or not, or, you know, the whole W2, like there wasn't these like basic foundational pieces being taught, but we're over here teaching kids about calculus, ABBC, which in a lot of degrees or even fields, you will never need that ever again. Not that calculus, BC and AB doesn't have its place or Greek mythology or whatever doesn't have its place. But if there is no real connection to, oh, I really want to, I really enjoy learning this or I need this for my profession. It's just like wasted time, effort and energy that could have been applied to teaching the fundamentals of perhaps maybe it's money or time management. Lord knows that a lot of us need that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. I've got, I've got quite a few clients myself that have to work on time management. And that is, that's definitely something that is not taught in our systems. And there are whole businesses that are designed solely for teaching proper time management. That's how <laughs> that's it's it's almost sad that's how how lacking it is in the world you know and oh, yeah. it's awesome that these businesses have come up and really taught that and there are some people that i just extremely admire in that world that are teaching these um these really necessary skills um and a lot of those techniques are things that i utilize in my own life and i utilize in my clients uh and and coaching my clients and Absolutely. but like how how much better would it be if we actually got these instilled in the youth, right? Like what more could we accomplish if we started at the age of, you know, 14? You know what I mean? Oh, dude. Like imagine it's like whatever you want to call it, life preparedness classes. It's like instead of building them up and then dropping them into a career or dropping them into life, it's actually preparing them and they leave with this like, Oh snap. Like I can do this. Exactly. I mean, that would be phenomenal. Yeah. And, and think of how many problems that we have right now that if we just taught certain key skills in school, right, we, we could completely eliminate or at least dramatically uh, reduce. For instance, the, we have a huge health crisis, especially here in the United yeah. States. Why? Because we, we have a lot of people who go into the adult world who don't exercise and who eat really badly, right? Sure. Well, and some of the things they're taking out of school is the physical education 
And then no, no one teaches us how to cook, you know, like, I, like, like to this day, right. I've never taken really a cooking class. And so like it's, and it's not necessarily difficult to cook. I've, I've, I've picked up recipes and I've made some very simple things, but like, if you don't know how to cook and then you look at the process of it and you're like, sheesh, that's a lot of stuff when I could just go to Chick-fil-A and like, yeah, right. Wrong. I love Chick-fil-A. I think Chick-fil-A is a wonderful restaurant. I think the food is delicious. Right. But like if you eat at Chick-fil-A every single day, there's a problem. Of course. I mean, I couldn't agree more. Like whether it's cooking, whether it's uh, again, those basic planning principles or if it's, uh, you know, touching back on time management, money management, uh, how to, how to create. And of course I, I think the term balance is a little overused and improperly used and is actually a myth, but being able to cultivate a life where we are able to counterbalance all of the different things that we're doing and having things that like you said, like teaching basics of cooking, basics of macro and micronutrition, the basics of finances, the basics of, you know, how to transition to those next stages of life. Like it's absolutely crazy. Or because what then, about, what about the, the, the basics of creating relationships? Oh my gosh. Talking like romantic relationships. Cause that's great too. But like just friendships, we don't, yeah. we don't teach the basics of relationships in general. Communication. Mm-hmm. I mean, communication is just straight foundational, whether you're in business, you have friends, you have family members, you have, I mean, interpersonal conflict should be another one as well. It's like how to be able to articulate a thought that you have or an idea that you have and being able to do it in a way that is effective. And then maybe even a step beyond that is like negotiation skills. Yeah. Like being able to have healthy negotiation between any group of people. Or just, just discussion in general with opposing viewpoints, right? Yeah. Like, because, because like so often people put up this super wall in front of them as soon as an opposing viewpoint comes in front of them. Of course. And, and I'm lucky that I, and I don't even know where this came from, probably, probably from my family. But, but like when, when I hear someone with an opposing viewpoint, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm like, okay, I want to hear what you have to say because like, what if I'm wrong, right? Mm. And, and, and their whole viewpoint could change everything in the way I see that. Or yes. it might not. Maybe it doesn't convince me, but maybe there's some other key principle I can pick up or yeah. I can pick up just how they understand it from their viewpoint which yes. allows me to just simply have that simple connection. And, and we don't teach that. And, and this isn't just the youth. This happens all throughout life. I remember I had a teacher in college. Um, I, I went to a Catholic university. Yeah. And um, I, I wrote this paper. Um, and it, it was on um, Paradise Lost. Right. Mm. So I'm going to a Catholic school. I'm not Catholic myself. I am Christian, but I'm not Catholic. Um, and, and we're, we're delving into a pretty Catholic book in general. And I remember reading this and I had this idea that was not very Catholic. Right? <laughs> I, I wrote my entire paper on it using support from the book. Right. Yeah. 
And I remember I got, I think a D on the paper. And the only thing written on the paper was, I don't agree with this. How awful is that? Wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, wow. It's like, oh, I don't agree with what you think, therefore. Yeah. And it's like, like, this is a pervasive problem in our society, right? If we yeah. could, if we could instill this kind of the, the mindset that prevents that from happening in our youth. Oh my gosh. The amazing things our youth could do. Yeah. I feel like it's just like this. It, I think it's beyond tolerance. I think it's being able to, you know, foster this environment for compassion and for understanding. Like you don't necessarily have to agree with it. But I think there's just like a certain level of being able to respect your fellow man. And this is beyond your skin color, your race, your oh, yeah. ethnicity, nationality, like just being able to say, oh, I hear what you're saying. And like you said, like it might be, oh, you know, like I get that. I'm going to adopt that into my own. Like we were talking about psychology, like assimilate or accommodate, like bring in something new. Or maybe it's, oh, you know what? That's not really like that doesn't really fit in alignment with what I'm, you know, currently creating or believing. However, this little piece, I like that. I'm going to take and add that, or maybe it already reinforces what I think. But being able to create space for other people's ideas to have them be heard. I mean, what kind of world would we be living in then? Exactly. Absolutely. Now you, you said something really interesting and, and this is something you've talked about before, but it, it's this concept of balance, right? Yeah. So, so delve into your thoughts on this concept because it it's really is a huge catchphrase in today's world, especially sure. the, the quote unquote work life balance that you sure. see. And, and if, if you're looking at the younger generation, I'm sure that's like school relationship, sports, home life balance, but yeah. like explain your thoughts around this concept. Yeah. And I'm going to throw in there like video games and media. Oh yeah. <laughs> If you look at a pie chart, that's like 50%. It's just like <laughs> media. in the oh middle of class in a cafeteria. Heck, when they're talking with their friends. Um, so make sure we include that. But I think what it is, it looks like this. I've been in a coaching program recently. And one of the most beautiful concepts that I got from being a part of it was the idea of having an integrated lifestyle, meaning that my business my personal life and my movement that I'm creating can all be integrated, but that doesn't necessarily mean balanced. And I'm going to give, I'm going to explain by giving an example. You might've seen it. Maybe you didn't, but when I actually went and spoke at the event, I did a handstand while I was giving my pitch. Yes. I, I thought you were going to do it throughout the entire pitch, by the way. I, I thought you were going to do that and I was going to be so amazed. And then you came down like 30 seconds into it. And I was like, Oh man. So, so next time you give a pitch, you got to train yourself to do the entire set. Good. Okay. Got it. Got it. Now we're by the end of it. I'm like, <gasps> okay. All right. I'm done now. I can breathe. I pass out completely. And everyone applauses and I get it up off the ground. Yeah. I'll work on that one. But um, yeah. So inside of that, inside of doing the handstand, I started explaining that the concept to me of balance is a myth. So even inside of a handstand, although it looks like I'm holding this handstand, I am quote balanced. I am constantly having to make little articulations inside of my body, whether it's flexing in the wrists, squeezing in the glutes or the legs or in the core. I'm constantly making micro movements to be able to adjust. And what then I would propose is that instead of thinking of like, 
I'm always trying to achieve balance. I'm always in this flow of counterbalance. I'd actually heard this concept from Dan Thurman. Uh, it's really great. And basically what it was explaining was it's like juggling balls. When you're juggling a ball, although it appears, you know, maybe there's three to five, however many balls, it's like, oh, we're juggling three to five balls. But in reality, we're only really juggling one at a time and the rest are in the air while this one is being tossed. So instead of trying to constantly strive and like get like real like struggled uh struggled or frustrated about oh no i'm not balanced i'm not doing this i'm not doing that it's it's more like ebbing and flowing and realizing that you know sometimes you're going to need to put a little bit more time into your business or a little bit more time into your studies or a little bit more time into your family relationships with your partner you you put you only have so much whether somebody tells you it's like a hundred percent or the people say give 150 percent it's like that also is a myth like you only have 100%. Like that's all you can give. Now you can generate more results within that 100%, but you can't necessarily give more than what you've got, if that makes sense. Oh, that makes perfect sense. I, the first time I heard that concept, it, it came from John Wooden. And um, well, not directly from John Wooden. It was from a story that John Maxwell was talking about from yeah. John Wooden. Yeah. Um, because John Maxwell is one of my mentors who's also absolutely phenomenal. But yeah. John Wooden had, um, he was the, the coach of the UCLA basketball team. Okay. And, um, and, and there, were, there was a period of time where he was just kind of okay. And then out, it seemed out of the blue, he had like so many back-to-back -back wins within the, the NCAA and he, he, he went on to become uh, recognized as one of the best coaches in history. And we're talking across all sports, not just basketball. Wow. He's considered one of the best coaches in all history. Um, and, and there's a story where he, he's at practice with his, his team. And there's one of his players that he's looking at. And he sees the players not playing at 100%. Because mm. he knows what that player looks like at 100%. And he goes up to the, to the player and he says, hey, I know what you're thinking. I know you're thinking, uh, if, if I just go 90% today, tomorrow I'll be able to go 110% and, and I'll break out even. And he goes, that's wrong. All you can give is 100%. And so if you don't give 100% today, that 10% is lost forever. Mm, and so wow. if you want to become the best you're able to give, right, put in your 100% today because you're never going to get that 10% back. Powerful story. Wow. I'd never heard that before. Thank you for sharing that. Definitely. Yeah. No, John Wooden, absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal teacher. Um, and, and he went on to, to, I mean, he coached some of the best players in basketball and, and I could tell a few of his stories, which I, I cause he, he is such an awesome guy. Another one of the things he taught, First thing, when a new player came into the program, right, the very first thing he would teach them how to do is how to put on their socks and put on their shoes. And you're hmm. thinking, these are college players. They should know how to put on their socks and shoes. But he taught them very specifically the nitty gritty of how to put on your socks and shoes because he recognized that if your socks aren't, tie aren't on right, it could lead to blisters. If your shoes aren't tied right, it could lead to, to messing your ankles up. And if those happen, then you wouldn't be able to play at a hundred percent. And every time you don't play at a hundred percent, that's potential that's lost. Interesting. Let's talk about foundation, right? Exactly. 
And exactly. And that's what he started with, with every one of his players was the foundation. And, and we're talking about good players. You know, the, the players that went to UCLA were good basketball players. Many of them went on to go play pro. And so it, it's, it's not like you're, you're talking with like five-year-olds about how to put on your socks and shoes. These are adults that you're talking yeah. about. Very young wow. adults, but they're still adults. Nonetheless, that's so funny. And I'm sure they're like, all right, Mr. Miyagi, what are you guys doing here trying to put on our socks and our shoes? Why am I waxing on and waxing off? <laughs> yeah, putting on and taking off. Don't get blisters, young one. But I mean, inside of that, I mean, you're, you are spot on exactly right. And, I, and I'm glad that we brought up the whole 100% thing because I think that that is, a, I think it's a misnomer. I think you can get more than 100% of your results based off of what you do, like that whole 80-20 principle. Um, but, you know, inside of that 100%, I think it, it really just does come down to when you show up, you show up. You show up and you put out everything you can to the best of your ability, no matter what. And if you find that you're getting stopped, stuck, or whatever it is, I think that that's when, you know, start to ask different questions or, as I think is really important, rely on community. Stop trying to do it all alone. Rely on the people around you, you know, extend a hand, ask for help. Definitely. One, I, I definitely agree with that. And it, it, I mean, it, if you look at it from like a, a basketball perspective, just because I have basketball on my mind now, yeah, right. Um, you, you can put a hundred percent of your effort into doing the same thing over and over again. Sure. And like, like I'm, I, me personally, I'm a very small guy in comparison to most <laughs> basketball players. Right. So, so if I decided that I'm going to put a hundred percent effort into going against the biggest, tallest, bulkiest guy defender on the other team. Right. And, and I'm not a good basketball player either. Sure. Like, like when they say white boys can't hop, I'm that statistic right there. <laughs> That's not always true, but it's, it's very true in my case. So like if, if I put a hundred percent effort into going against an awesome defenseman in basketball, I'm probably not going to succeed yeah. no matter how hard I keep trying to do it. Right. Yeah. But like, if I got Michael Jordan on my team, right. Yeah. Or, you know, fill in whoever player you love the most, right. That's really good. Right. If I have that guy on my team and I just pass the ball to him, we can still win, even though I don't have a chance against beating my personal defender. Right. But if I put a hundred percent effort into getting the ball to the right person, then we can win. Yep. You're apps. I mean, right on spot on every time. <laughs> So, um, so, so you, you, you said another really interesting thing here and, and it, I've got a question around it. You, you were talking about how with, with the, our younger generation, and this is totally true. We, 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 we're seeing this all the time. The technology is in front of their face all the time. Social media is there all the time. Video games are there all the time. And, and it's not just the younger generation. Part of our generation is like that. Even the generation before us, some of us, is, are, some of us are like that. And, and, and so, so, but it's very prevalent in this generation that's coming up, that's really starting to enter into the workforce. And, and so how do you go about connecting with these people that are so attached to their technology? Hmm. So it's interesting. I uh, I couldn't help but just look at that board right behind you as you said that. 
And <laughs> the, the things that stuck out to me were controlled attention and create or create a vision or create a vision. Actually, it was what I heard in my head was creative vision. And the reason why I think that is important is this. I think that to some degree, there is some level of dissatisfaction with the human experience for these people. Meaning, for example. Ooh, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. If, if I was so, like, for example, if I'm skydiving, there is not a single chance that the first thought on my mind while I'm doing that is, oh, let me get out and take a selfie. That's not the first thing on my mind. But the first thing on my mind is, holy crap. Like, it's I just like, went I'm, out of plane. <laughs> I just flew outside of a plane. If I'm playing paintball, the thought is, don't get shot in the head. Where is everybody at? Like, I am engaged in what I am doing, right? Mm-hmm. I feel as though that there is this strong necessity to create distraction. And perhaps it's a byproduct of this lack of satisfaction within the human experience. So, for example, I have had multiple clients, one in, one in particular whom it was uh, like struggling with creating results in the context of school and grades and things like that and beyond. And, you know, uh, the first question I kind of very pointly put out was, yeah, okay, well, you know, how much video games are you playing? When are you going to sleep? When are you waking up? Because ultimately a result is the product of some process. So, you know, it might look like this client shows up. I'm tired. Oh, okay. Well, why are you tired? Oh, well, I, I didn't, I woke up at, uh, I woke up at 6am. I didn't get to bed until 1am. Why did you get to bed at 1am? Oh, because I was playing video games. Oh, okay. Well, how long were you playing video games? Well, I mean, I started around like seven, eight, nine, and then I ended up playing video games that late. And then I had to wake up early because I had to do my homework, but I didn't finish the night before. And then I ultimately ended up like rushing to study to, you know, study for that test. And it's like, Oh, interesting. Like there is this, it's very apparent right in front of me that, okay, this person distracted themselves. Not that I think video games or social media or telephones are a problem, but everything in moderation, right? It doesn't matter what it is. If it's, if, even if it's like good food or even water, if you drink too much water, you'll you drown yourself to death. Yeah. Literally people have died from that. If you eat too much food, you could, I mean, I, I don't know if there's a point where you can actually like die, but I know for a fact you could definitely vomit and you can like get to a certain point where it's no longer good for you. Like literally too much of anything I think can be harmful. So in that light, video games, telephone, social media, if, if it's like every single moment that isn't being spent doing something, I need to like grab my phone or grab something or grab something to distract myself. There's almost like this uncanny level of distraction. So the way that I want to work with these people is to really get to the core of why do you feel that need? Like, why do you, why do you want to compulsively check your phone or compulsively um, and for a extended period of time play video games and get to the core of that. And, you know, I, I get things such as what I really want is to connect with people because I, I don't feel connected with people at school or I'm, I'm bored. I'm unengaged. So it's, it's about getting, bringing awareness to that controlling the attention and then creating a vision for the future. I love that. And, and that is, I mean, that's not just the younger generation. That's, that's all over the place that you see that. 
yeah. um, where, where people don't feel like they belong in the environment they are in. They, they don't mm-hmm. feel like they're connecting with the people there. Just, just in the leadership world, this is one of the craziest stats that I've recently heard, but over 50% of people would trust a complete stranger more than their own boss. Like, mm-hmm. Like that's a huge level of disconnection, right? Just, just with that little thing alone, like if you can't trust someone that you spend a fairly decent amount of time with in the world, right? Like that, that, that's a problem of major disconnection and that mm-hmm. disconnection definitely I can see coming from lack of engagement. I mean, how many times do you hear about people going to work and they're not nearly as productive as they could be? And why is that? because they're not engaged. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that, that could be a product of so many things. And I feel like what you're pointing at in the context of like not trusting your boss, like, you know, I think that when it's, it's, you know, so funny, it's no different than parent to child, a Mm -hmm. boss to employee, when there is a disconnect between goals, ambitions, wants and desires or whatever it is like boss wants X, Y, and Z, maybe it's like, I want you to show up at this time and this time or do this thing and buy this, whatever. And there's, you know, the other side of the story, which is, you know, the, the person who's working wants to have this knowingness that the boss has their intentions in mind of, oh, I really want to work through the ranks or I want a bonus or I want, when there's a disconnect there, then, and we went to communication, there's a breakdown in communication. And of course you're left with, the person, the the employee, the employee almost having this like sense of helplessness, like, Oh, I'm going and doing because I have to, to put food on the table or whatever it is. And I'm feeling very disconnected from everything around me. You have this level of disconnectedness. So then we, you know, we try to numb it, whether it's, you know, drugs, alcohol, phone, social media, whatever it is, just to get that feeling of, I'm a part of something and I'm actually creating and, and progressing and moving forward. Definitely. And, and sheesh, there's, I mean, there's so many problems in the world right now that are caused because we don't have that connection and we look to the wrong places to get that connection. Of course. Like, like you, you were talking about drugs and alcohol huge, huge problems in that. And, and why is that? Because we're not getting any sort of enjoyment and these, these substances we put into our bodies because we believe they'll bring at least a portion of what we're hoping for, sure. right? And more often than not, they don't, right? Or it's temporary. And, or it's, it's extremely temporary. Mm-hmm. And, then it, and then sometimes it has the reverse effect afterwards especially with alcohol because alcohol is a depressant whether you like it or Dude, not it, it is categorized as a depressant <laughs> exactly so if you go to alcohol to make you happy you come out of the the drunkenness right to become more unhappy right mm. and then it creates this vicious cycle where it's not actually creating what you're looking for yeah yeah. I mean, you are, you're spot on. You know what I think it comes down to this, this, I'm not the first person to say this for sure, but it comes down to a strong lack of awareness. It's like a lot of times we're in this vicious cycle and we don't even know it. And yeah. all of us have them, like whether it's, you know, inside of like 
the un, it's, it, it, a lot of times it's unhealthy and unserving habits. There is this vicious cycle, this reoccurrence that keeps happening. And here's what I think is I think is the issue. We keep trying to cre- uh, to treat symptoms, meaning instead of actually treating the root of an issue, we treat the symptoms just like I think our Western medical system is, but that's a whole nother topic. But (laughs) here's a prescription jug. But like, if I'm frustrated and unhappy, I'm going to come home. I'm going to turn on the TV. I'm going to grab a beer. I'm going to eat the potato chips, eat the unhealthy foods. I'm going to eat the the sugary things to boost um, like a certain amount, like a very small amount of like, um, not necessarily, of course not insulin, but like to kind of hit on those dopamine and serotonin receptors and do that for some kind of short period of time because we're in such an instant gratification society. It's like, I want it. I want it now get out of my way. And then you get that little bump and then you slowly come back down and maybe it's a little bit deeper than it was before. And it just, like you said, vicious cycle, rinse and repeat Monday through Friday. Woo. It's Friday. Yeah. I'm ready to go and party. Woo. Like shooting guns up in the, <laughs> shooting guns up in the air and you go and you party Friday night and you're like, yeah, it's great. Can't wait for Saturday party Saturday. And it's Sunday. It's like, Oh man, tomorrow's Monday. And, and especially when you're younger and in, in the major party years, there's usually like homework going on. So you're like, I have so much crap. I have to get done. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Oh man. And and like like the these cycles, they're they're not just things that happen with adults. They're things that are happening with the younger generation. You brought up a perfect oh, yeah. example of one where where the kid comes home, they play video games for hours on end, yep. they don't get enough sleep, so they yep. get the school tired, they're not effective at school, yep. which makes them depressed, unengaged, yep. not wanting to be at school, yep. right? So then they get out of school and they just want something that'll take them away from the, the reality of, of school. So they dive back into the video games for hours yep. on end. And that, I mean, that's a place where it can start. It's, it's not, you know, it's not as bad as doing like cocaine or something, of course, like that's way worse, but that cycle can be just as vicious starting then. And it's, you know, how long too, because Personally, I think that another thing that doesn't help that cycle is then it gets to a certain point where the the uh, the teachers, the faculty, and the parents then start coming down hard on the student. You're not performing. You're not doing well. You're grounded. We're taking away this. We're taking away that. And I think I think what ends up happening from that is it creates more resistance and more frustration and more anger can even lead to depression and anxiety because now there's this sense of I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. You know, some people react certain ways. Some people lash out and they get angry and they, they drop out or whatever it is or on the opposite side of the spectrum. There's like this full-blown withdrawal and aloofness and not feeling connected to what it is that they're doing. So instead of supporting them and being in the, hey, you know, what's going on? You know, how can we support you? It's you're doing wrong, you're doing wrong, you're doing wrong. And like you said, then you get into this vicious cycle. And the next thing you know, look, man, whether people want to hear it or not, suicide, bullying, all of these topics, anxiety, depression, they are at alarmingly high rates right now. And this isn't just young people. This is it's all over the board. It's everywhere. I, I heard a statistic recently that um, more people um, in the past year or so have died from suicide than from being killed by a gun. Wow. 
that's that's the level we're at right now. Wow. And my head, my head is just like, why? And instead of looking at be like, oh, that sucks. This is bad. Like all my, all I can think of, here's the symptom. The symptom is we have a lot of people who just don't want to be alive anymore. And all I'm thinking to myself is just why, where does that come from? Where's the root? How can we support? Stop, exactly. stop attacking people. Stop bringing them down. Stop trying to blame them or whatever. It's like, be with them, create space for them. I think all of us need to be heard and understood. I think that, that is like fundamental to being an individual is making sure people felt hurt, heard, loved, and understood. Definitely. It, it, it reminds me of, um, of, a. uh, part of a prayer from uh it wasn't created by saint francis of assisi but it's called a prayer for saint francis of assisi or to saint francis of assisi and and a part of it goes i seek to understand and then be understood and then mm-hmm. so often we we try and tell people what's on our mind so that they understand us right mm-hmm. what like the teacher hey your grade is here. That's not acceptable in my class or, or the parent, you can be better than this. I know you can be better than this. You need to perform better. Right. They're, they're they're exactly They're putting themselves to be understood or the boss, right? You're not coming in on time. You're, you're supposed to be here at this time. That's it. Right. And, and they're not going to the other side and saying, Hey, you know, I saw that your grades weren't doing that great. Why are your grades not doing that good? Or, Hey, I noticed you you came in late. What happened? Is everything okay? Right. There's, there's no seeking to understand. And it, it right then you're creating that disconnection, right? Wow. That's, I, I really appreciate that you said that because that kind of put something together for me in a very simplified way that really elaborates on what I was trying to explain in this, like ultimate at the end of the day, like if there's a hand here, you can see this side, I can see this side, right? There's like my perspective, there's your perspective. And of course there's always three sides to a story. (laughs) You know, there's There's, always, there's what you see, there's what I see. And then there's the actual truth of it, (laughs) the reality, right? (laughs) And I think that that's what, I think that that's what it actually, I, this is something that I heard recently. I think it's awesome. Maybe you'll, uh, this will kind of connect. But uh, one of my coaches said that we, um, in the context of um, affinity, reality, and I'm thinking communication, reality, um, communication, and affinity. Anytime we increase any of those, all of them as a result will go up. Meaning. If I increase the amount of affinity or love I'm sharing for somebody, my connectedness to reality and my ability to communicate with them increases. If my communication is increasing with them, my ability to express affinity or to be connected to reality increases. So in that same light, when we get very connected to the reality of what somebody else is experiencing, Like if you're struggling with your grades and I'm the parent and instead of going straight to like being very intruding or very like antagonistic and like trying to, it's almost like trying to get a rise out of them just because, because I am your parent and what I say goes, Mm -hmm. 
there is no there is no affinity there is no communication and then there becomes this disconnection from reality but just like you put it if we were to both first go over there and say huh what's happening on your side oh my goodness i understand now now that i can understand a little bit more may i share with you my side so we can have this mutual understanding and then co-create together definitely <laughs> I I just this, this isn't co-creating but I just thought of um of this um Sun Tzu wrote the art of war. Yeah. And and one of the principles in the art of war is that in order to defeat your opponent you have to know your opponent. And mm. the thing is that as soon as you completely understand your opponent to the point that you're able to defeat them because you know them so well you actually love your opponent because in order to understand them at that level, you have to love them at some sort of level. Hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, a lot of people apply the art of war outside of war because the, the principles are so malleable. And so you can, you can take this into business or you can take this into the home life, right? Where you, your, your goal is not to obviously kill the other party in these situations. Yeah. Um, <laughs> unless you're actually in war right now, you know, that like, that's not going to be your goal. And, yeah. but, but so like, so then what does it mean to defeat your opponent? Right. Sure. Well, if, if you're looking at a parent, right. And you want your kid to do well in school, to quote unquote defeat your kid would be to get them to do better in school or defeat right? the bad grades. Maybe it's not even defeat them. It's like defeat the bad, yeah, grade. defeat the bad grade. That's exactly. The <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and I mean, you, you can malleable it to, to whatever level or however you want to look at it. But, but the key to it, right. Is to understand the other side, right. In order to get your, your son, your daughter, whoever, right? To, to perform at that high level, you have to know them so that you can figure out how would they, how can you get them to want to be motivated to do the work? How can you get them to understand why doing the work is important? How can you put these principles in front of them so that they understand it and then not just understand it, but actually want to enact these principles in yes. their own life? Yes. No one likes to be force fed, man. <laughs> no one, no one likes being force fed. Yeah, Matt, I'm, I'm sure that was it. Was I know it's been one of these books I read, but this whole idea of like being able to make it seem as if it's their own idea, or being able to create it in such a way that it they can they come to their own conclusion on it, or they see it for themselves. Like, oh, you know, if you get, if, for example, the parent, or even let's just say in business if a CEO or a manager gets really connected to what the employee is wanting to create, gets so connected to it and then begins to frame their actions and their interactions in, in such a way that empower that individual, I'm willing to bet everything that is me and that I own that, that, that employee, that child, whomever it is will be more and do more in all in any area that that which that is created from. Definitely, it, it, that actually makes me think back on when I first entered the corporate world. Um, I, I I came into a job which was accounts receivable, which is 
a very much not a glorious job, right? Because you're calling people to collect money from them because they haven't yeah. paid money, right? And, and in our organization, there, when I first joined it, there were three of us, right? And my training was literally, here are some phone numbers. We can't get you into the system yet, so you can't really use the computer, but go ahead and call these people. Like, that, that was my training. And wow. so, yeah. And so uh, like from the start, there's a disconnect. And then we went to our first all hands meeting, which is where the entire company gets together, right? To, to talk about what's going on with the company. And mm -hmm. our CFO is on stage and no kidding. He talked about how the accounts receivable team gave him nightmares. Obviously creates huge disconnection. Now, what was awesome is soon after that whole debacle happened, right? We got a new manager and he was all about engagement. He, he was always trying to figure out who you were. How can, how can he help you do better? What, what are the things that are going on just in your life in general? Not necessarily just at work but just in, in general, what's going on in life and what are the things that motivate you? Where do you actually want to get to? Yeah. And he completely changed the entire mindset, not just of that department, but of the entire company. He wow. started in that department and that mindset spread. And we had people from other departments who were failing in those departments come over into our department and succeed at much higher levels because he got them engaged. Of course. I mean, and that's, I mean, that's what, uh, I feel like your podcast is all about, man. It's like this excelled level of, uh, it's like leadership, right? Like being able to, and I, and I think this is super important being able to step in as a leader, but then also creating everyone around you as a leader, not having this, like I'm up here, you're down here. I look down. It's like more like, let's we're all, we're on the same playing field like whether you're working in a business or you're inside of a family like there is usually or should be some kind of common goal in business it's like let's make sure this business succeed let's increase sales let's make sure that our training and and curriculum is is on point so that the people who are doing the sales can really get in there and not just showing up day one and they're like here here's a list go and uh go and tell people they it. owe you money <laughs> and tell me how that goes Exactly. And, and, and like with, with a family, right? Like your goal is, is just to create a better community, mm -hmm. right? Because, because you should have a, a loving relationship with your family where yeah. you guys want to see each other reach the goals that each other have. And there's stuff that needs to get done in order for the family to function. Right. You Absolutely. know, like, like if you're, if dishes are never done and trash is never taken out and you know, th these are stuff that kids hate doing, right? But if they understand how that connects to them getting to the goals they want, right? They, they become uh, more likely to do it. My, my mother actually did this really brilliant thing with me. I had, I had friends who got allowances, right? And, and I looked at my life and I'm like, hi, I don't get an allowance. I should get an allowance, right? And I went to my mom and I'm like, mom, I want an allowance. And she's like, oh, you want an allowance, huh? Well, if you want an allowance, I'm not going to pay for any of the things you want to do because you're going to be making your own money, hmm. right? So if you want to do those things you do, you'll have to do enough chores to be able to pay for all that. I did the calculations in my head and I'm like, she's 
no matter how much chores I'm going to do, it's not going to equate to the, the amount of sports I'm doing. So it's okay, much better. It's much better to allow her to continue to do that. And as long as I do all my chores, I get to do those things still. There you go. <laughs> and it's smart right now you connected and that's brilliant. You connected what you wanted with what she wanted. You're like, huh, I see. Yeah, I'm going to continue doing exactly what it is that, I, that I'm told to do. That way I can continue doing the things that I love to do. Exactly, right? And, and that, that's that perfect example of seeking first to understand and then be understood, right? Yes, it is. So, so I had this thing where I was seeking to be understood first because I was, you know, a teenager and that's what teenagers do. We just put ourselves out there like that. And she came from, from a different perspective. Like, I understand what you want, but let me show you what that actually means, yep. right? She, she understood what I wanted and then she helped me see from her perspective, which then I, I've determined that, okay, maybe it's better not to get an allowance. I'll, yep. just, I'll just keep doing the chores. It'll be okay. Thanks mom for clearing that up for me. That rocks. <laughs> Love you. I'm going to go do something else now. Exactly. But like, like how, how often do teachers do that with their students? And uh, it, exactly. It, it doesn't happen. Or, or bosses with the, the people that are part of their team, yep. right? It's so rare that they, they understand what the other person wants. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, there is a strong lack of consideration in that. And if, I mean, when you boil it all down, it really just comes down to this, there needs to be this understanding and an even playing ground. Otherwise it will continue to be this like muck. Cause I, I'm, I know for a fact there are statistics out there that talk about like, for example, inside of the context of business, that the level of turnover inside of a business where, you know, you have people coming in, coming out, there's this revolving door of people just, just shooting people out. <laughs> the amount of money and time that it takes to actually do an entire hiring process. My dad has 30 years, over 30 years in professional training and curriculum development at a very, very high level. And he's talked about the, the concept of, you know, why, why would we spend all this time running people through tons and tons and tons of interviews, putting all these people through it? Like, how much does it cost us? to take the HR, HR person and all the other people associated with the interviewing process, take an hour or however many hours out of their day per interview process, how much are we paying them? You multiply that over, say, a year, five years, 10 years, how much X amount could you have saved if we had, one, just brought somebody in, tried them out, said, oh, okay, this doesn't work, send them out, like there's just not a fit, and just keep bringing people until you find someone that fits, and or, being able to bring them in and being able to do your very best to create this culture that I think that whole idea of, Oh, the customer comes first oftentimes lead this idea of, but your employees, yeah, they're just, they're just dirt. Like there's, there's no <laughs> consideration for them. I think it's, it's everything. Your customers are important and so are your employees. And if you treat your employees like they're worth a million bucks, they're going to deliver that and more. Exactly. Kids. 
And same thing with kids. How, how often do, do people treat kids like they're worth a million bucks? You know, like, like so, so often people treat kids like they're, they're these snotty little things that are just causing problems all the time. Like, yeah. sheesh, if you would just stand still, I'd be able to watch Game of Thrones or, you know, or like if, if you could just, you know, if you would just eat your food, we wouldn't have to <laughs> sit at the dinner table for three hours because you didn't like your vegetables, right? Mm-hmm. It's like all, all the time that's wasted because of these little things and we treat them like they're trash and they're not trash. There's so much value in these kids. Like, I, I, I'd love to hear s- some of the stories where you, you've come into a situation where the, the child was not viewed at a high level and you've sure. helped them become what they could be. Yeah. So just to clarify, that's, you want me to tell a story about me doing that? Yeah, I'd love okay. to hear that. So, and this, you know, this can be touchy, but I actually had one uh, client with whom uh, was struggling heavily with uh, depression and anxiety and uh, basically kind of tailed a story where he experienced a lot of conflict and lack of worthiness with his interactions with his father. His experience was that his father gave a lot more care and attention and time and just energy in general into his brother, but not nearly as much for him. Mm-hmm. So then, it, you know, what ends up happening is after enough interactions, this belief starts to be created that I am not worthy, I am not good enough. Um, you know, and, and the stories go on. And what's interesting is if we don't address that and bring awareness to it, that same feeling, belief, and attitude then trickles into other relationships, perhaps in our intimate relationships or interactions with friends or even at work, there is this foundational belief that I am not good enough. I am not worthy. So inside of that, what for me, what I did with him was getting very clear on that. It's like, oh, I, I you know, he had a story of, oh, we you know this is what it was like with my dad and da, 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 da. And we spent some time really figuring out and distinguishing, okay, but what did you, what did you make that mean? And once we got to the core of that, there was this like light bulb, like, oh my goodness, I have been living out this falsified story, completely disconnected from reality that my dad doesn't love me, that I am not worthy, that I'm not cared for, that my well-being isn't a priority. And because of that, here have been my actions. And once he was able to distinguish that, he went from this very like mopey, disconnected state to having interactions with his mom and his dad that were completely transformed. And also transformed just in general, the way that he showed up in his, in his way at work in his interactions with his family and his interactions with his girlfriend, like there became this profound level of accountability and responsibility, like not just like blaming other people for what happened, but saying, you know what, this is on me and, and I'm going to overcome and here's what I'm going to do next. 
Definitely. And, and, and how many times are leaders looking for that kind of a person for their organization, right? What's beautiful about that, mm-hmm. right, is this was someone that most, most people in a business wouldn't look at as, as a potential candidate to be someone great who would take accountability, right? But when you took the time to show them what their value was, they became what everyone is looking for. Ah, it's interesting, isn't it? And so it's, it's like, I mean, just like you pointed out, it started somewhere and it's like you, you shine it, you polish it. And then you're like, aha, here is all the value. I guarantee you. Anyone who is hiring, who's a recruiter or anything like that, if they see that that person is the type of person to take accountability responsibility when perhaps something doesn't get created up to this expectation, like if you didn't do enough sales or if you didn't get this grade or whatever, if there is this like accountability, instead of saying, oh, I was late because traffic on I-4 or I didn't get the sales because Susan came and was distracting me or I didn't get the grades because the dog gave my homework. Instead, what it looks like is honestly, I was late to work because I didn't plan my time better. And we, and from now going forward, I'm going to make sure I leave 10 minutes earlier or I didn't hit my sales quota because I was too busy dinking around on Facebook. And going forward, I'm going to make sure that I don't do that. Or if it's, I didn't get the grade on my exam because I spent the past three nights playing Fortnite until two in the morning. And I see that now I'm going to, you know, turn off Fortnite maybe at like 10 or 11, do the, you know, do the studying and things like that before or whatever. Like there becomes a new realm of possibility and awareness that just wasn't accessible before. Definitely. It, um, one of my mentors, Brian Johnson, he, he tells this awesome story that he learned um, about this um, statue in, uh, in uh, I don't remember exactly where it's at, but it, it was a Buddhist <laughs> statue, right? And it, it was made of pure gold, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it like this beautiful artifact of a statue. And these monks were living in this area and they were about to get attacked by bandits. And so they, they really admired this um, Buddha statue and they didn't want these bandits to come steal it. So they covered the statue with mud, right? To, to, so it looked like it was just this kind of meh statue that had yeah. no worth, right? Well, it ended up that the people who knew about it ended up dying. So oh, the that. statue, right? The statue was covered in this muck for years and years and years. We're talking like generations where people just thought it was this kind of meh statue that existed. Even, even the new monks that ended up coming into the area just thought it was this little thing, right? That didn't really yeah. matter. And then one day someone was going around cleaning stuff, right? And they, they happened to take some, a, a little bit of the mud off and they noticed there was gold underneath. Mm. So they went, huh, interesting. They continued cleaning until they discovered this entire statue was gold that it was actually worth so much. Wow. And, and how often in life do we have people who, who are just covered in muck from whatever's happened, mm. right? Whether it's at home or at school, past relationship, they're covered with muck. And then they go into this new situation with people that have never met them before. 
and those people think that they're just muck, right? Mm. And, and when in reality, if we just took a little bit of time, we look to understand them first and look at what are their strengths, we could see, oh, there's actually gold underneath all of this muck. Yeah. And if we helped clean up all that muck, right, that person could become this beautiful, amazing uh, person that does just the most amazing things in the world. That true authentic expression. I think that something that was kind of similar that really connected to what you were saying. I, I was actually at this event um, and this woman, her name is Shamika Tankerson. She's, a, she's phenomenal. She gave this analogy that perfectly correlates with that. And she, she took out a hundred dollar bill and she said, uh, she said, how much is this worth? Everyone's like a hundred dollars. She's like, okay. She took it and she threw it on the ground and stomped on it, pecked it back up, said, how much is it worth? Everyone said, $100. <laughs> she said, okay. She crumpled it, held it up, said, how much is this worth? They said, $100. She said, okay, well, what about this? What if I rip it? And she rips it, and, and not all the way, but rips it. And, and she says, how much is it worth? And everyone says, well, actually, first, everyone goes, <gasps> like gasped like oh my goodness she ripped a hundred dollars but then you know they said oh yeah it's still worth a hundred dollars and in that moment as i'm watching this i'm like i have this like holy crap moment because she she then goes on and proceeds to say like guys it doesn't matter whether you get ripped stomped dropped kicked dirtied up like no matter what depression anxiety whatever it is your worth does not change the most important thing that you can do is to get up and to keep moving. And just like how you're talking about with that gold hidden beneath the mud, I think that, I think that whether, you know, whatever people's philosophy is on it, I think that we were created and designed perfectly, that we came into this world perfect and that anything outside of that is a solution. It's like, Oh, there's no such thing as perfection. It's like, I think that we were created exactly the way we were supposed to be. Therefore, it's always been perfect, but sometimes we get this disillusionment and this disconnection from who we truly are. And then we think of ourselves as less than that. I, I think that disturbing. that's an awesome way to look at it. And, and I'm like in my business, I, I actually do have one of my values is excellence. Right. Yeah. And I say with, with that, I say mediocrity is uh, unacceptable, but perfection is impossible. Mm -hmm. But, but, we're looking at two different types of perfection and that's mm -hmm. one of the, the nuances of how language really is yeah. in one perfection, right? The, the one that I usually talk about, it's, it's this idea that if I put all these tiny pieces together, right, I'll never have to change anything again. Yeah. Right? And, and that doesn't exist. That kind, that form of perfection doesn't exist because yeah. the, everything will always be changing change is, is an it's an inevitability and yeah. so so to put so much effort into this quote-unquote ideal perfect right that's mm. never going to happen that that's one form of perfection that doesn't actually exist but there's a different form of perfection which you're touching on which i actually think really does exist and, and i wouldn't necessarily use the word perfection for it in my that's just the way I look at it, but it, it still applies. It's this, it's this understanding that what is should be. Mm. Um, 
uh, and in Latin, there's this awesome phrase. I think it's Latin. I, I'm pretty sure it's Latin. I, and I'm, I'm not. I'm not a Latin major. So if this is not Latin, and you're, you're someone's in the comments, really this is Latin. Wrong. And, like you're wrong. Like that's okay. I'm human. I, I make mistakes. I admit <laughs> But but the phrase is amor fati, which is basically a love of fate, right? Oh. Which is whatever happens, good, bad, indifferent, right? Love that it's happened because that allows you to be this 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 secondary version of perfection right this whatever's happening there's reasons behind it sure that allows me to move forward at a new level yeah whether it's good bad or indifferent right if if something terrible happens that doesn't mean that you have to become lower you can actually rise up sure and it's this this version of perfection is more about worth right and the personal worth of a person is infinite we have so much potential to do so many things. It's truly, it's, it's insane how things, how how many things mankind has been able to accomplish. That's impossible, right? It was impossible to fly, but we figured it out. It was impossible to go into space, but we figured it out. It was impossible to go faster than a horse, but we figured it out. Like this, this happens all the time. all the time and so so to to say that someone's not worth something that they're worth less than whatever right that's not true now now their worth may not look the same right Mm -hmm. just as a hundred dollar bill is going to look different than a hundred dollar yen right um and, and i mean obviously those don't equate perfectly because they're not worth the same in economics, whatever jazz, right? But like, uh, but like, okay, a hundred dollars versus a hundred dollars worth of quarters, right? Their worth is the same; they just appear very differently, and they yep. have different things they can do, right? And and their their worth is exactly the same, but how they can work in the world is very different, right? Yep, like. That $100 bill is great, right? But you can't stick a $100 bill in a gumdrop machine. No, you can't. And if you try, it's, you're, you're going to think that $100 bill is worthless, right? Yep. But, but at that same time, right, if you try and bring $100 worth of quarters into buy something, there's a good chance that the store will be like, no, come back with a $100 bill. Yeah, you're not going to change <laughs> like like and they're going to be like you're a joke why would you ever like what kind of terrible human being are you right the, the worth the worth is exactly the same and and this this happens with people right different people have different strengths and the way their worth appears in the world is very different and if you look at where you can put their worth to maximize the use of their worth it's amazing what they'll be able to do there mm-hmm. you are you're perfectly you're perfectly on point it's like trying to fit a square in a circle hole <laughs> oh man and and we do that so often right or or try to to make the fish climb a tree right yep. <laughs> that's that's one of the ones we that i hear a lot with the educational system you yep. know it, you can't make that fish climb a tree no matter how hard you work and yep. you yep. can't make the monkey stay underwater for <laughs> For 30 minutes plus it's just not going to happen and if you try to do that it's going to look really bad 
But as yep. soon as you put them in the right environment and yes. allow their what they naturally already have to go to the highest levels that they can do it, I mean, miracles happen. Couldn't agree more. And environment is so key. It's something that I tried to fight for a long time. And I realized that, you know, you can always show up and do your best. You can always keep trying to do your best, but to a certain extent, your environment does, in my opinion, it's going to create some kind of difference in the potential for someone to show up. I mean, look, we see it for, you know, statistics in regards to socioeconomic status, like, people with more um, wealth and affluence versus people who don't like the opportunities and the potential. It's, it's not the same. And I think the same can be said about, you know, the environment with which we are, you know, putting our youth, our children into same thing goes for business. What are you putting your, uh, your, your employees into an environment that is wealthy and affluent? Are you putting them into one that is impoverished and just not up to a certain standard? So important. Definitely. No doubts. So, so I've got to start wrapping this up. This has been just absolutely amazing conversation though. Uh, if, if, someone is looking to get a hold of you what yeah. is the best way for them to get in contact with you or best ways i mean throw in as many as plugs as you want i don't really care <laughs> cool yeah so the best ways to get connected with me are on facebook instagram linkedin those are the main social media platforms right now and they're all under at jared castillo which is j-a-r-r-o-d-c-a-s-t-i-l-l-o or uh, my website, which is jaredcastillo.com. And uh, yeah, I'd love to, you know, make connections with anybody who resonates with the message. And uh, stay tuned. I got a, I got a podcast kind of be rolling out as well. It's going to be Ooh, amazing. I'm so excited far. for that. Yeah, the running title right now is is uh, Follow the Wolf. But you know, we'll see. We'll see as that kind of comes into development, what that looks like. Definitely. And and I would we didn't have a chance to talk about it today, but I would love to to have you on again so we can talk about this whole thing behind the wolf because I yeah. I think um, animals in general and, and how we connect with animals is very fascinating. And yeah. I've had my own stories behind that and, and I'd love to hear your story sometime. I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, until then, thanks for being on here today. Thank you. Thank you, Cody. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Leadership Guide. Please make sure to go on to your favorite player of choice and there rate the show, then subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. Then, if you truly want to be a legendary leader, share this episode with someone that you know will be impacted because legendary leaders fuel not only themselves, but others as well to their heroic potential. If you want to unlock your heroic potential faster, then you will want to join the League of Legendary Leaders, an association of leaders who are dedicated to unlocking their heroic potential, unlocking the heroic potential of others, and where legendary leaders are born.
the League of Legendary Leaders also has a goal to raise $100,000 monthly to support nonprofits that are actively undertaking causes to impact the future, including areas such as homelessness, neurodiversity, character strength, positive psychological research, and more. Seize the call now. Go to www.theleadership.guide and click Get Free Guidance Now to propel you on your journey to legendary leadership. I'm your host, Cody Dakota, and I'm honored to have spent this time with you today. My final message for you, and listen closely, it's time. Wake up your heroic potential. Let go of your fears and anxieties, and let's discover what is possible on your journey to become a legendary leader. Emerge and become who you were meant to be.